Hi, everyone. Welcome to the LifeSphere podcast. I'm Kathy Bruner, and today we're at Interfex, and I have the great pleasure of talking with Dr. Oksana Pickerel, PhD and MBA. Welcome, Oksana. Hi, Kathy, and, and it's great to be here. Very excited to kick off this conversation with you today. There's so much that we have to talk about. Oksana is an accomplished technology executive with over 25 years of experience in healthcare and the life sciences, spanning from her work on the Human Genome Project to bioinformatics R&D and clinical trials innovation to advanced analytics and patient engagement technologies. Prior to becoming the president and CEO of Sparta Systems, Dr. Pickerel was the global segment leader for healthcare and life sciences at AWS where she oversaw the AWS portfolio of technology and consulting partners with specialized offerings and innovative technology tools relevant to biopharma, genomics, medical device payers, providers, and agricultural worldwide. She's previously held C-level roles in a telehealth startup, a health education and media nonprofit, and was a life science practice lead at Booz Allen Hamilton and served on various boards of directors and advisory boards. Dr. Pickerel holds a PhD in human genetics and an MBA in finance from John Hopkins University. Impressive. So today I thought we might start our conversation with a little bit about yourself um, and, and, and how you kind of got to be where you are today, and then we can dive into some uh, more in-depth topics. Sounds good. Where would you like me to start, Kathy? Um, maybe just a little bit of how you found yourself at um, in the healthcare space, um, given all of that background that you have, um, and what's your passion for the industry? Sure thing. Yeah, I actually, w when I was back in high school, I was most fascinated with math and physics, and then we had um, an awesome biology teacher who got me really excited about uh, biology, life sciences, healthcare, and such. And I ended up picking the most mathematical branch of biology at the time, which was genetics. And, uh, you know, that was kind of the beginning of the path. And then I think I just um, probably have a restless mind. So I always find myself working at the intersection of different fields. So first it was, you know, genetics plus math, which took me towards the human genome project work and um, doing computational biology in the early days of the genome projects. Then it was more um, the intersection of uh, computational biology and business, uh, working at Booz and then uh, working on the some of the innovative oncology R&D programs at the Cancer Institute. And um, and then we got deeper into advanced analytics and uh, decision science and cyber. And uh, our team was fortunate enough to support some of the biggest pharma companies standing up their first R&D data lakes. And then um, certainly the uh, time I spent at Amazon was was a fabulous um, opportunity to see the broader industry, to see how we can innovate with technology across life sciences and healthcare. And, you know, now at Honeywell, I think, uh, you know, this is uh, just such a wonderful time to be putting software 
and hardware capabilities together for that industrial IoT solution space that we're just starting to scratch the surface on. Yeah, that's all such amazing, uh, so much experience there. Um, maybe we could talk a little bit, since you were talking about the AI and ML technologies and predictive, and now that you're working with an organization focused on quality and quality 4.0, maybe um, talk a little bit about how you see AI and ML uh, tying into quality 4.0. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's an area that we're very excited about. And, um, you know, Sparta has been in the quality business for more than 25 years, and we were also the first to market with advanced AIML tools to support decision making around quality. And some of that is around recognizing and uh, classifying quality events to make uh, decision making easier in terms of understanding, is it a big event? Is it a small event? How have we resolved it in the past? Um, and putting that knowledge and um, analysis as a decision support tool in front of a quality professional. That's extremely important. And then, uh, you know, functionality around supplier quality management. Our uh, supply networks are becoming so complex. Uh, you could by some estimates, 60% of the pharma supply chain is external at this point. And uh, understanding the quality of suppliers and the ability to be predictive and analytical about it is important. And then another area that you know we already have capability in the market for is understanding complaints. Because depending on the complexity of the product and to what extent you are uh, mostly uh, direct to consumer versus not, Medical device companies, biopharma companies frequently deal with the volume of uh, complaints coming from the field. And uh, quality professionals can be flooded with the volume of those complaints. Some of them are important and high, high, high impact, and others are more routine. So being able to point their time and their attention to the most impactful events quickly, that's that's a very big deal and helps manage risk, helps be responsive, and ultimately helps deliver the quali high quality and safe products to the patient. Excellent. So I want to pick a little bit up on a on a on the thread that you had going there. Um, so with the idea of quality being so important and kind of focusing on patient outcomes, um, a lot of businesses are wondering um, what, if at all, is a way to put a value proposition on quality? And, and what do you see as the true value of quality in life sciences? I know you touched on that a little bit uh, in your last piece there, but maybe talk a little bit more in depth about that. Absolutely. Yeah. I, and just thinking simplistically, you can think about value in terms of top line, bottom line, or risk management. It is the easiest way typically to start thinking about bottom line. So are we helping people to save time? Are we allowing professionals in quality and manufacturing and other parts of the business, uh, everybody who is involved in quality to practice at the top of their license and really focus on making complex decisions as opposed to uh, you know, busy work and information gathering. 
And yes, you can calculate time savings. You can calculate um, cycle times uh, that feed towards the bottom line. So that's the easy one. Risk management, uh, when you talk about quality, that's a very obvious driver of value. So uh, avoidance of uh, inspections, avoidance of 483s, avoidance of extraneous audits um, and the hit that they take on the reputation. There, there are certainly formulae that you can run behind the scenes to put dollar value on those. But what I am really excited about is taking the quality conversations beyond uh, those two drivers and really thinking about the top line because when you think about the broader opportunities that, uh, you know, look at the quality going left and right in the pharma supply chain or in the pharma value chain, look at uh, quality drivers in better managing your supplier network, look at going deeper on the manufacturing floor and, uh, you know, doing things like batch rescue when you can integrate data between a quality management system and batch control and um, on the floor manufacturing operations, you can do things like batch rescue, right? So if you've got an expensive uh, vat of a biologic brewing in a tank, saving your batch and keeping it within the boundaries of a golden batch, that's a big deal when a single vial of a product may be up costing upwards of 50,000. It's so true, so very true. Um, so one of the drivers behind all of this is data, I think uh, you would agree. And there's a lot of, um, I guess, conversation around this idea of data readiness um, and then data democratization versus data acquisition. So I wonder if you have any sort of um, thoughts uh, around uh, that concept or those concepts. Yes. Uh Data is the lifeblood of every time. Every time we talk about um, going through digital transformation, every time we look into integrating data across multiple systems of record, every time we cut across global operations and multiple sites that um, our customers operate in, you, you can't afford to have data that are inconsistent, poorly curated, uh, disconnected. Um, so, so yes, very frequently I find that digital journey has to start with the quality of data and um, it can't be an afterthought. It has to be somebody's full-time job. Yes, uh, it, it's so true. Um, so, the pharmaceutical and life sciences industries are um, somewhat conservative and and rightly so as their focus uh, is to provide uh, to the ultimate uh, consumer, which is the patient. Um, and, and it sounds like what you and Sparta and Honeywell are really focusing on is taking that need for conservatism and patient centric focus and, and combining that with innovation um, and this conversation about digital transformation. So um, I wonder if you can just talk about, um, you know, it's kind of a balancing act, right? It's not a single thread. Um, and, and what can companies uh, be thinking about as they move through this um, process, I'll say, of, of di digital transformation um, and innovation? 
Yeah, that's uh, that's a great question, Kathy. And I think uh, th there there are several things that come to mind. First of all, I think you know you, you rightly note that this is a conservative industry, and for a good reason. And in any regulated industry, when you start diving deeper into data and into decision support tools that are based on data, uh, it's it's difficult for people to be the first. And it is, you know, a lot of people hesitate to be the second, but then nobody wants to be the third or the last. So, and, and I think we are, you know, well beyond that point in time now when people were questioning, you know, is, are we going to be digital? Are we going to go into the cloud? Can you do GXP in the cloud? At this point, the answer is yes to all of the above, and it is well established. So I would say, you know, we are in the race towards digital at this point, and uh, it would be difficult, I think, these days to find a company that doesn't have a digital agenda. But mm -hmm. at the same time, um, everybody starts from a different point on this journey. We can look at very well established complex companies with a significant amount of technical debt to a certain extent, it's harder for them to get started than for the smaller companies that start in the cloud or even for companies that are going from paper to digital uh, that are not you know, perhaps as complex and uh, at times burdened with very convoluted processes that sit behind uh, the systems that they have in place. So, um, and also we've been through this journey at Honeywell itself, right? And I think it's it's important to also have that level of pragmatism to how you approach it. Are you going to start with uh, unifying your 20 plus ERP systems? That may take a while. You might want to bite off a more feasible piece in the beginning and uh, gain uh, traction, gain trust, and from the stakeholders inside the company so that they start coming to leaders of those digital initiatives and asking for more help. That's the place you want to be, and that's where the momentum tends to pick up. Mm -hmm. I think that I'd like to pick up on a word that you had there, uh, and it's trust. Um, all of these technologies can be viewed by some people as being rather disruptive. Sometimes that's exciting, but in other cases, it's a little bit uh, formidable, um, and trust is a big part of the conversation. Um, and it's a challenge uh, in the industry about how things are trusted, things like artificial intelligence and other technologies, um, and in particular in, in a highly regulated uh, space. So um, how do you see uh, positioning these technologies um, and the importance of these huge data volumes as it relates to um, just the data complexity, et cetera, and then the trust issue or factor, not an issue? Yeah, yeah, that's, um, I think that's a very important question. And I think that's why uh, sometimes we say it, there's no shame in starting with baby steps. You want to uh, tackle a problem where you have uh, an easy way to tell if the technology is working, that it is accurate, and uh, that it's giving you useful insights. And depending on the role or a type of a decision that uh, people are trying to make, different degrees of precision might be appropriate. 
and uh, but but yes, in the beginning, you want to kind of stay close enough so that you don't feel that technology is um, making you blind to the data that otherwise you would be looking at directly. And uh, but the overarching scheme that I think everybody follows in healthcare and life sciences at this point is it's the decision assist. Those technologies don't replace humans. We are nowhere near the point where we can replace a human brain for complex uh, solutions and uh, solutions reliant on uh, decades of expertise. But a technology assist is is um, is a very well established uh, model at this point. And realistically, if we can clear away, uh, you know, 50, 60, 90 percent of noise of easily resolved uh, decision points, then people can practice at the top of their license and apply their expertise to the most interesting challenges because sometimes I think the pushback to this technology comes from individuals who are worried about losing their jobs and the uh, different conversation I think that benefits all of us to have is there's no need to lose a job there's there's there are plenty of important problems that remain to be solved practice at the top of your license that's such a great point um and so what you know, I think we're saying here is it's augmenting decision making and really connecting the human to the digital and not replacing, which I think is is a key point. Um, one of the things I think uh, that's uh, a lot of people are interested in kind of um, the conversation is, you know, the ultimate customer of the industry primarily is the patient and the ecosystem of life sciences has many, many partners. And um, I think it's almost a, like a concert, um, getting the right product at the right quality um, to the patient uh, when they need it. Um, and so I wonder if you would share some thoughts on that, because I think quality is a big player in it, but also the digital capabilities and technology as well. Yes, I agree with you, and it's uh, both thinking differently about the role of companies, the role of patients, and increasingly, I think, about the role of healthcare organizations in delivering uh, more targeted, more personalized care. So if we look at the pharma value chain, I think it's important to not forget that quality doesn't start when you get into commercial manufacturing. And, and launch product and usual care. Quality starts earlier, and um, a lot of people are using our uh, systems in clinical development because you do want to make sure that clinical trial supply uh, is also of high quality. You don't want to jeopardize your uh, product ever getting to market because uh, you were not able to properly establish safety or efficacy parameters of, of an innovative uh, medical product. At the same time, you know, going to the right in the value chain and thinking about uh, product complaints, thinking about adverse event reporting, patients have an increasing level of influence over time over those parameters of giving feedback to uh, innovators of 
give, giving feedback that can be used to both refine existing products and take care of quality and safety and efficacy issues that might arise at times, but also establish that feedback loop into R&D with uh, real world evidence. And um, increasingly, these can be very valuable, very rich data streams when you combine um, clinical experience with uh, genetic profiles of individuals uh, receiving treatment. And then that's the piece that also makes the engagement of providers and healthcare professionals increasingly valuable because when we move to towards personalized medicine, now we have major healthcare systems refining and uh, developing and delivering individualized therapies at the point of care. And um, that starts a whole extra um, wave of innovation, but also brings an additional set of organizations into the fold of organizations that, sh that should really care about how they run their quality systems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I think that's uh, a great point. Um, there is this uh, focus and move or shift, if you will, to precision and patient-centric centric medicines. Um, and I think there's a relationship, and maybe you could share your thoughts on the relationship between technology and innovation and patients in life sciences as we look into the future. Yeah, I think um, other than, you know, the, the personalized uh, medicine and genomics uh, really driving a lot of this uh, innovation, there is also a big component towards patient behavior. Clinical outcomes are not just driven by uh, pills and devices. Uh, there is uh, an increasing understanding of behavioral therapies. Uh, pharma companies, device companies have always been uh, attuned to treatment adherence as, as a major factor in driving better clinical outcomes. And now also just managing the environmental factors well, uh, managing things like physical activity and exercise and other components of being healthy. Bringing that all together in my mind is, you know, that bigger holistic picture of personalized medicine and uh, greater health outcomes that we achieve over time. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I, I think that's an excellent point. Um, one thing that I think um, is that this is all um, exciting and the technology is really opening up an awful lot of opportunities on a, a, a broad dashboard that uh, so many um, uh, companies can take advantage of. Uh, and again, with the ultimate outcome or the ultimate uh, goal of better patient outcomes. This can come though with an enormous investment, or it can be perceived as an enormous investment, not just dollars, but people, resources, focus, et cetera. Um, and I think that um, customers uh, like choices um, and the combination of innovation and conservatism in, again, the life sciences space, um, I wonder if you have any thoughts on, you know, the concept of meeting customers where they are and the journey uh, and not a point in time solution. 
Yeah, and and I think as many people who have um, have spent some time at Amazon as part of their professional journey, um, doesn't take a lot of convincing to believe in choice and the value of choice. And um, that's certainly also the tack that uh, we are taking at Sparta and at Honeywell Connected Life Sciences as a broader business. We, we do believe in meeting customers where they are on several levels. First of all, we realize that, yes, digital transformation is here, but people are in different places on their journey. So we, some, we think that in this industry for some time, there will be a blend of on-premise solutions, digital solutions, cloud and data centers, and uh, any number of uh, hybrid combinations. We all know where we want to get to, uh, but it people take different paths and that's okay. So, you know, in our portfolio, we have our well-established TrackWise product and we have TrackWise Digital, uh, which is in the cloud. We have a growing number of AI and ML tools that run on AWS, uh, like the QualityWise AI functionality and more and more that we are continuing to build. So, so providing that optionality at the platform level, at the technology level is one piece, but then another one, which is part of the larger connected life sciences conversation for us is, we also know that customers have complex estates of systems of record. Their quality management systems, their limb systems, their batch automation, their MES, adverse event management systems, et cetera, et cetera. And those systems are sticky. Uh, you don't pull one out uh, just to enable some uh, fancy analytics. But over time, as, um, as companies develop, there are opportunities for replacements, there are opportunities for upgrades. But in the meantime, we're prepared to meet customers where they are. So for example, um, after joining Honeywell just over a year ago, uh, we did pursue some of the obvious integrations with uh, technologies that are already under the Honeywell umbrella, like Experian Batch. At the same time, we're not limited to only integrating with Honeywell products. So if a customer has a complex estate where they have both Honeywell and non-Honeywell software and hardware in-house, we will provide that optionality in the fullness of time. Excellent, that's really important. Um, I think you began to pick up on something that I think might be um, worth uh, another uh, question, and, and that's about, um, I wanna say connected life sciences. Um, you know, your, your topic back there or your, your point there about um, options and choices. So um, I believe that Honeywell is um, working on uh, the idea of connected life sciences. Maybe you could share a little bit more about that. Yeah, sure, happy to. So I would say that, so one of the foundational principles is meeting customers where they are on you know, their state of systems of record and uh, building up uh, a portfolio, a marketplace, if you will, of advanced analytics and decision support tools that draw from multiple systems of record. So you could imagine, um, so, so, so one example is when you are working through quality events, very frequently data has to come through from multiple systems. 
the data doesn't just live in quality, the resolution can live in quality and those workflows live in quality, but the data could live in the LIMS system or in MES or in batch systems and historians. So the ability to pull from multiple systems of record to optimally inform a quality related decision or even a broader set of decisions, um, that's, that's what we're after. And, uh, you know, one good example would be the integration that we already have um, available for people to try out um, is the integration between TrackWise Digital and Experian Batch. And the idea is that you can start detecting trends in uh, deviation uh, in critical to quality parameters on the manufacturing floor in the batch system feed that quickly before uh, before a deviation has occurred back into the quality management system, apply some of our AIML tools to make the resolution quick. You know, where have we seen something like this? How have we resolved it in the past? Pass the solution back to the manufacturing floor and correct the batch before the deviation occurs. That is an example of a very high value add a situation where we can help save a batch of an expensive biologic. So that is just one example. There are many more that we're pursuing. Um, you know, imagine uh, doing the annual um, annual reporting, uh, annual quality reporting with a single press of a button instead of uh, carting piles of paper from one department to another. And um, the more and more of that is coming. So that's 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 where our connected life sciences vision is headed. So both going deeper on the manufacturing floor and going broader across the value chain of a pharma or medical device uh, product. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I am going to shift gears just a little bit. We were talking about uh, the cloud and whatnot, so I thought I'd um, put a fun question out there and ask, could you share something that Google does not know about you? Ooh, um, perhaps some of the pandemic hobbies. So um, I think like everybody else, I went through a number. I, I somehow managed to escape the sourdough bread phase, but <laughs> um, and and but the, yes, there were various cooking phases. Uh, I would say uh probably the top item that did stick was um i picked up sailing during the pandemic so wow. that's that's my latest hobby and it was you know a great thing to do outdoors when we couldn't be indoors but turned out to be uh you know a fabulous way to uh spend the time make new friends and I picked up the asa the sailing skipper certification so next time wow. it's Time to change the label on my office door. It's going to be captain. <laughs> I love that. So sailing, um, any competition sailing, or are you are you? Uh, it's personal. Uh, I've been on a couple of US team. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's going to take a little while to get to that level, but um, yeah, I've been in a, in a couple of friendly uh, races, uh, but I I just enjoy cruising as well and um, just the ability to pull up to uh, pull up to an island or a beach and throw your anchor down and um and, and be out there it's it's just an incredible sensation of you know freedom and ability to do things 
I love that. It's on my list of things I want to do. I, I, I have a, a goal this summer to do one of those kind of hosted cruises where I'm not the captain, <laughs> <laughs> but I get to go uh, for a couple days. So very exciting. Um, I think the pandemic did open up some opportunities uh, for us to kind of branch out uh, outside of ourselves a little bit. Well, I want to say that uh, this has been really great, Oksana, and thank you so much for your time and your insights. And I'd like to thank our audience for their attention, and I hope that they've enjoyed our conversation today. I look forward to the rest of our uh, opportunities and future guests on the podcast. And of course, Oksana will be speaking this afternoon at Interfex about accelerating quality 4.0 through connected life sciences. Um, so once again, thanks for your time and I hope to see you in the future. Thank you, Kathy. It's been a pleasure. Um, enjoyed our conversation and looking forward to meeting people on the conference floor later today. <laughs>